Anyway, so we head over to the hotel. The following morning at breakfast, we're sitting down and you know, go talk to the Dalai Lama. And he's asking me about this one year no beer thing. And he said, how do we bring this to the poorest parts of, of the world? He said, how do we bring this to the poorest parts of India? Um, the Dalai Lama lives in India. He's exiled from, from Tibet. And I, and I said, well, do they have smartphones? And he said, yes. And I said, well, you know, that's how we're, that's how we're going to do that. Welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast with business strategist, speaker and author, Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Gavin here, hope you are well and have had a great week so far. Episode 44, this is the second in a two-part interview with Ruri Fairbairns, the co-founder of One Year No Beer. Last week on Monday in episode 42, we released first part of this interview and we talked about Ruri's journey, his uh, learning around how to um, deal with ADHD, his journey from uh, top city uh, oil and jet fuel broker to finding meaning and purpose in helping others uh, to become alcohol free. And in this second part of the interview, we go into some real powerful lessons learned as he's done on the journey that uh, over the years since the founda- founding of uh, One Year, Year No Beer, how they've scaled and grown and the lessons he's learned in that. And also a really fascinating story of how he came to meet the Dalai Lama and the impact that that had on him. So you'll, you're going to love this. It's a brilliant build on episode 42. If you haven't heard or listened to episode 42 yet, the first part of this interview, go back and listen to that first. But now if you have heard it, then let's dive straight in to episode 44, the second part of my interview with Ruri Fairbairn, co-founder of One Year No Beer. It's a beautiful thing. So anyway, you said, what is next for One Year No Beer? So... At the core of what we've created is a behavior change platform to help people change their relationship with alcohol, surrounded by a peer network. The biggest, most powerful thing is that peer network. Our next step is to unlock our ambassador model. So think of like um, a sort of Weight Watchers for alcohol, but we are never going to have an event in a uh, in, in that kind of environment. Our events would be at park runs or at um, Spartans, which we do a lot of, or they might be at sober raves, festivals. They're going to be upbeat, full of life. You might be going to uh, um, a climbing event on a Friday night. You're going to connect with people having a great time without needing a poison or a drug, right? Okay. So that's what the um, uh, ambassador model is. The ambassador model gives our members uh, the opportunity to create a lifestyle business in um, championing this movement. All oh, right, so it doing. can become a revenue stream for them. Exactly. So they can do that either online or offline by running events in their local area. And that can be a supplementary income to their day job. Exactly. Yeah. Or the full the 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 full thing because also then the biggest piece that we realized is that actually this is nothing about alcohol. So we just use alcohol as an excuse to get people to focus on their personal development. You leave alcohol at the door, you open the doorway to your health, okay? And the thing about that is that once you go against society, and change your relationship with something which is, you know, in, in, incredibly ingrained in society, you build self-worth. Okay, the feeling of going through a wedding and not drinking is so empowering. The feeling of doing Christmas without booze is like, wow. And people go, wow, you're amazing. I can't believe you did that. Almost like you climbed Nevis. So that sense of achievement 
builds a platform, a platform for changing other areas in your life. And that's why at the moment it's our brand, uh, our, our, our strap line, Live Life Better. It will be our brand. Um, and that is that we are the 28 Day No Caffeine Challenge, the 28 Day No Sugar Challenge, no porn, no gambling. So we had one of the UK's most technologically advanced casinos invest in One Year No Beer. And we're talking to the Gambling Commission about doing peer support networks in the gambling industry. So the opportunity for what we're doing is absolutely massive. Um, the market, you know, um, 2.7 billion people are drinking alcohol. 36% of them are drinking hazardously. You know, that's nearly a billion people, a billion people when it comes to alcohol. But when you talk about habit change and you talk mm. about connected societies, well, now you're at 8 billion people. Mm. So um, we've got a massive opportunity to make a real impact on the world. And it's the ripple effect as well, isn't it? Not only is it once they successfully complete a 28-day, a 90-day, 365-day challenge around alcohol, then they could think, well, I could give up coffee, I could give up sugar, because I now know I have the ability to change those habits. Yeah. But it's beyond that, it's the ripple effect. You know, it's, there's more of those little boys or girls that are writing letters to say, I've got my mum or I've got my dad back. Totally, totally. And what's really amazing, so we have the consumer part, which is what absolutely drives us. And, you know, we have, we have incredible feedback and getting our members to connect. But the big change um, comes out of our corporate programmes, um, we're about to do some stuff in the health insurance market. Um, those two areas are phenomenal. And, you know, we spoke to one of the world's largest health insurers a month ago. Um, and um, you, we know that this this opportunity is not going anywhere fast because they said, oh, no, no, no. There's no demand within our corporates to have any alcohol reduction. <laughs> and, and and what makes what I laugh but also cry a bit inside because – even though the consumer choices are changing around alcohol and people are choosing to drink less, certainly in this country, they're drinking less. In Europe, alcohol consumption is going up. In America, alcohol consumption is going up. Globally, alcohol consumption is going up. And we've got world's largest health insurers saying that alcohol is not even on the radar yet. Really? I mean, it's not even on the radar yet. And it is the probably one of the biggest factors in 6% of all diseases, 9% of all deaths. It's just... Phenomenal, the impact that alcohol has. So you mentioned corporates there. You know, obviously you're, you're growing massively in a kind of a B2C model, but from a scaling point of view, yeah. you know, this investment, the B2B model is something that you're actively pursuing. Absolutely. So we've got a few corporate programs now, um, some company-wide, um, where we put them through the challenge. We um, get, our, get the staff to compete in teams against each other. There are awards for getting through the challenge. We do all the coaching support around it. But the most important thing is it's a non-stigmatized. It's just a challenge. Come and do it if you want. It's fun. We're all going to do it together. And that removes all the, oh, I can't talk to HR because if they think I've got an alcohol problem. Exactly. And it's like, oh, sh forget it. Nobody's got a problem. And that, by the way, is why <laughs> corporates are saying it's not an issue because nobody would dare. Nobody to wants to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, so that, that, you know, that's where there's huge potential. But also um, the, the, the biggest growth piece once we've unlocked this ambassador model is a, is a, is a licensee model. So um, we're already talking to a number of investors about uh, them being licensee holders in different countries. So um, what's your spread around that you reach around the world now? now we're, so we're at 60, 000, over 60,000 members in 90 countries. Wow. Um, and when I say that, people go, wow. And I'm like, it's not – it's. I haven't got out of bed yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's nowhere near the impact. And that's, I think... So is your content produced and different, translated into separate languages? No, not yet. Right. So, um, okay, you know, we are... The opportunity is, is, is huge. Um, and, um, you know, that, that, that's the thing is the opportunity is huge to grow something that, that 
truly does change the world. It, you know, it already is. And, and I know it is because every time I get together, we were with 83 of our members this weekend. They all ran the Windsor Spartan. We had our own wave. This is the largest ever group for Spartan. And the reason why we are, uh, so Spartan's an investor in one year, Nobia. Okay. Um, so Spartan adventure races. Yes, yeah, the yeah. obstacle course races. Yeah, yeah, okay. But the reason why is that when you look at that, you're like, oh my God, that's a huge challenge. And there are obstacles. And it's the same as doing this. It's a 90-day no booze. That's a huge challenge. And the obstacles are, how am I going to get through Friday night with the boys? How am I going to get um, uh, through that Saturday wedding? How am I going to do the hen weekend? How am I going to do these things? These are big obstacles. And what happens when you get over an obstacle in, in a Spartan race? You feel amazing. The mm. feeling you get at the end is life-changing. That's the same thing here. So they're a physical version of what we are mentally. Um, and that's why we're, a great, we're, we're, we're great to do together. And, you know, at the weekend there, I was, um, there's, a, there's a very overweight lady who has decided to come into a Spartan. This is her second one. Um, I went round with her, holding her. She cried. She threw up. Uh, she was like, I can't do it. I can't do it. Get up. Come on. You know, and, you know, she, it's trans watching her go through this transformation is just unreal. And to be a part of that is is amazing. And she got to the end and she was just, you know, completely broke down in tears and couldn't believe she'd done it. So, so, so much about this journey for you has been uh, stumbling upon almost a purpose. You were doing incredibly well in a career by most people's metrics in terms of financially, in terms of status, in terms of. Uh, growing a, a desk from zero to to having made it, you ticked all of those boxes. You were highly regarded in your industry and your peer group and by your your, your employers, and yet you felt so unfulfilled inside. Yep. And you started to recognize that you, things had to change for you, and through wanting to share that journey and impact with others, that was the the initial genesis of one year no beer. Yeah. So I think all of that all of that comes from doing ten minutes of headspace a day. And I know we've all heard it. And we've all heard it. We've really? heard it over yeah. Oh, I can't do it. I can't meditate. I've tried. Just just do it. There are other apps like Calm as well. Yeah. Which is equally, you well know, waking good, up yeah. is my is my yeah. favorite now. Waking up is fantastic. I've not heard of that one. I'll oh, look at that. Sam Harris. And the yeah. course is absolutely mind blowing. So I'm loving going back to do this course again. But everything started with Headspace. That will, no, zero questions. Practicing meditation regularly will change your life. There's no question in that. And you saying, I can't do it. I've tried. My head is so busy. I'm just not a meditator is nonsense. Okay. You are basically, you've, you're, you're, you've never seen water before. And I'm inviting you to come down and swim in the sea, right? And you're expecting to be able to Swim five kilometers, having never seen water in your life. It ain't going to happen, right? You're going to touch the water. You're going to come back out. You're going to try each day, days and days and days and practice and practice and practice and coughing and spluttering and hating it. You will get there. That's the same with meditation. Just plug those headphones in. Do it every day. In 30 days, you'll be starting to get somewhere. In 90 so, days, so it will be bring, changing your life. To bring this back to your business then, mm -hmm. you know, chaotic mind, you thrive on chaos. Yep. Um, you're growing now exponentially. You've got the added responsibilities of uh, providing returns to shareholders and uh, providing a career and a future to the 16 employees that you have now. Um, it, it's almost like your one sort of uh, calm port in a storm, your oasis of calm is your 10 minutes of meditation every day. Yeah, absolutely. Yoga, I'm a boat. And, um, you know, so I... I, what I, what I that one. What I understand now 
is that there are three main factors in addictive behavior, and that's what it, this is. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about requiring a drug to numb out feelings in our life, so either stress or anxiety, all of those things. There are three main factors. There's a meaning and purpose, environment and connection. Okay, so meaning and purpose for me, well, there was none as an oil broker. There was no meaning and purpose in there at all. Well, now I'm completely and utterly connect, plugged in to meaning and purpose. I could not get more connected um, than I am now, probably too connected um, to my own detriment. Um, environment, well, I couldn't do the tube. I, and the thing is, environment for me, I was born on an island. Right, no, so I had sure. to be around the water. I had yeah. to be in the sea, and I was living in Buckinghamshire. I couldn't get anywhere to the water. So all of these things, I was like, I must get to the right environment to reduce these this noise, this addictive behaviour. So I'm not saying that everybody in the city moves out to North Berwick. Although, do come up and happily get you a cup of coffee and drift. It's the most beautiful cafe <laughs> in the planet. Um, but what I am saying is that when you look at a mountain in the distance and you say, I don't think I can get up to the top of there, but you've recognized that that's the journey. It starts with a step, right? And the step is stop taking the tube, walk through the park. Even if that's a detour, go via the green. Whatever that is, if, you are, if you're feeling disconnected in your environment, then find small ways to reconnect into that environment. But it's absolutely key. Same thing with meaning and purpose. If you feel like you're in a job which has no meaning and purpose, then start volunteering a bit in the evening. Start doing a hobby or finding something that you connect with. These are the three main drivers that, 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 that drive so just addictive behavior. Then. So meaning, meaning and, and purpose, purpose yeah. environment, and connection. Now, the connection pieces, you know, we can get false connection by going out on the lash with people. But the true connection is where we're spending time with loved ones and we're spending time connecting with other human beings. And that's really the piece about One Year No Beer. So we created a tribe around the world that helps facilitate connection with people who are on the same journey as you. And and, and that's why the program is so transformational. Um, because you're, you're, you're and, and what will become when you've got a localized event, imagine you can go along and connect with people who are trying to live a good life, you know, a healthy, happy life. Um, over over habit change, that will be really, really impactful on a local level. Awesome. So we spoke a little bit on that journey. We mentioned, made reference earlier on to key lessons learned on the way. So you want some uh, more? Yeah. So let's let's zone in on the business. Um, so <laughs> as you look back, particularly as things you've, you 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 and Andy full time, this is now your business. You really need to monetize it and make it work from a business model point of view. Looking back over that journey, what have been your key business lessons? Um, so many. Um, I think that um, I'm going to say this to myself, but I'm never going to follow it. But um, creating a plan before you execute is a good idea. Um, however, uh, that will never be me. <laughs> so um, I am so, so, so fortunate. I guess there are two things. When I, when I ran, the, the, the biggest company I ran when I was younger was the, was the sales outsourcing business. And ultimately, when, I fit, when that one round up, although I could point fingers at like stupid to use an accountant to get your legal agreements, because that's effectively why these guys were made on paying, the reality was I was doing everything. And you do not want me in that situation. And for the first two years of One Year No Beer, no offense to Andy, he would agree with the same. I was doing everything with the business. Andy wrote the content. I did all of the business stuff. And that is not where you want me. The reason why I was so phenomenally successful as a broker is that all of the stuff was taken away from me and I just at the coalface. And so that is all I had to do. So what's been transformational for the business is getting that operations person in, getting those support people around me. And when you talk about support people, like... You, you, would, you would laugh. 
I need an entire team just to exist on a daily basis. Like forgetting my phone or my wallet is a daily occurrence. <laughs> Turning up with, at the airport without a passport. Your wife is, must be incredibly patient. <laughs> daily, daily I will miss an appointment. I need somebody to remind me of my appointments. You know, I, uh, you're, you're like, I'm a high-functioning idiot. <laughs> and, and I'm only a high-functioning idiot because I have a support team around me. So I think I, I, I'm, I'm incredibly aware of my weaknesses and so I look to support a team around me. And I guess coming on from that is that I have the counseling to thank for that. I have the years of digging deep and understanding myself and my limitations um, that have helped me in, in business later. And certainly a business which is about, um, you know, being empath empathetic and changing people's lives. For well, sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, so and then, uh, key lesson there being building that team around you to support you so that you can focus on the stuff that you truly mastered, you know, the selling piece. 100%. Um, focusing on what you're good at. What some, somebody says about making your weaknesses strong, you'll have a lot of strong weaknesses, that thing, you know, whatever. Yeah. Working on your weaknesses means you'll have a lot of strong weaknesses. Yeah, no, forget that. Just hire people in who can, uh, yeah. who can, who can, who can sort it out. Um, I guess the other key lessons and, and my big learning is if you ha and so many people now are building businesses which impact people's lives. So we're, we're, we're doing business for good. Um, so many people now are thinking about how they can impact the world in a positive way. And if you are doing that, then I would just encourage you to communicate with your customers about the business um, um, opportunities or limitations that you have. So one thing that we're looking at is is crowdsourcing and how can we, um, so, you know, when our, when our members um, off board, so after their challenge, they fill out a survey and 74% of them say they'd like to volunteer or give back. Now, that's 4,000 people a month, 74% are saying they, they want to support this mission. Um, and that's an army. Um, and the sure. type of people that we have on our list where we've already talked about that from, from being able to raise money very, very quickly. Um, uh, so I, would, I, I speak to people about this and I say, don't forget to communicate with your members. You know, if you, need, if you need funding and you're doing something good and changing people's lives, you might have a resource there. If you're looking for people um, to come onto your team, like, nobody understands one year no beer unless you've been through it, really. They think it's they think it's something like this. Is it is it like AA? Are you like so you're a bit like no? We're not like anything like that, right? Come and do the challenge, and you'll see what we are. So when you if you onboard somebody external, they've got a process to go through to understand who we are. But actually, from inside our audience, they already know, and they're already passionate actually, about it. Listening to you and just uh, thinking a bit deeper about what you what you're really up to, alcohol or coffee or sugar is an access point to help. Uh, drive personal development, to create shift in thinking, yep. and help to introduce new habits to, to uh, foster better well-being and, and happiness. Exactly, that's yeah. exactly it. Spot on. Yeah, um, we uh, yeah we facilitate connection through behaviour change. Uh, sorry, we build we build technology that facilitates connection through behaviour change. Yeah, but that doesn't sell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, in its own right. It, it, you know, we, we're saying that's ultimately what you're doing from a business point of view, but actually you've got it. That's driven by a big purpose about transforming people's lives, yeah. giving them back connection with friends, with family members, with their spouse, etc. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've got an email going out today because we've literally said, that's it. We've torn up our mission statement. Um, so our mission was to transform the world's relationship with alcohol, but we've realized that that's not it. The mission is to empower our members to change the world's relationship with alcohol. Love that. Yeah. Hence the ambassador program and that tribe of people that are willing to want to do more. Exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, and if there's any other sort of key lessons that you had on this journey from a business point of view? Um, yes, I guess um, I have become very cynical um, with uh, external parties and, and agencies and all of that. We've had so many things burnt. Um, so, you know, um, I would just be very, very careful out there whenever it comes to digital marketing, whenever it comes to um, traditional marketing, um, that uh, there is so there are way more ways to waste your money than there are to make it. Um, and, um, you know, I've definitely learned that the hard way um, going through all this and, and hoping that that was going to be the silver bullet. And actually it wasn't, you know, so. Um, but you've actually educated yourself so that you could become an educated customer when you're, you're looking at those areas of your 100%, business. 100%, 100%. Um, and, you know, we were lucky to pick up a you know, fantastic um, Facebook ads team in the early parts of 2018. And, you know, they've done all our acquisition. It's pretty much where all of our acquisition does happen. And they've done a great job. You, you, you've been commenting on it, you know, and that's exactly what I was thinking is that's down to those guys. Um, so we were lucky to part, to get them in an, an early stage. They were transformational for the business. Um, and I guess the other, uh, you know, I work with my wife. So um, my wife who uh, looks after our store, um, but she's now gone through an incredible uh, transformation herself. So she started getting into the Spartan races. She started racing more, um, and she just went out to the World Championships, and she came 10th in her age category. In um, the world? In, yeah, in the world. And, and um, she's got an athletic background? No, she she was a football player. Um, she was a, a footballer, and then her mum didn't want her to play football and got her into beauty pageants, and then she uh, did Miss Sweden, um, and she was a model for most of her life. Um, and, uh, you know, her, she had a very, very, very tough upbringing. Um, and then, you know, was using alcohol to, to numb out a bit and didn't realize that until I went through this journey and she went through her own. And what's amazing is that when she was young, as a little girl, she always dreamed of being an athlete. And she's 40 this year. So she's like, that's the year I'm going to be an athlete. And she's out there. Absolutely. Tenth in the world. That's phenomenal. I know. In basically a year of training, she's an absolute machine. And um, she's heading off to... Sweden to do the Ultra World Championships in November. So this is Sweden, November. It's a 24-hour race up uh -huh. in Aura. And the conditions are going to be snow, it'll ice, be, it'll minus be ice, whatever. Minus, it'll be, yeah, a 24-hour. So it's an eight-mile lap, um, and she's going to do as many laps as she can do in 24 hours. Wow. Has she, uh, <laughs> has she come across the Wim Hof method in terms of... Yes, yeah, yeah, she's, yeah. She's exactly. So she's studying the Wim Hof method now. So she's and doing cold showers in the morning. I've been like, I've been cold showers for like two years. <laughs> She'll never listen to anything I say. <laughs> of course not. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I guess that's another small tip and, and, and more of a personal one. And I guess in the business as well is that so, so constantly, constantly be the change. Be the change. Right, you've been um, the change, you've yeah, been the lead. Yeah, I get you, it. Yeah. If you try and tell people to change... Um, they won't. You've got to go and be the change. Um, and so that's what we try to be. Um, that's what I have been. And, um, you know, I can see the impact on those around me. You know, my whole family drink a lot less, if not drink at all. Um, and same as Jen's, you know, they were they were really heavy drinkers. A lot of them drink a lot less. They've all gone through the 90-day challenge or more. Some have done the year. So it's had a big impact on the people around us. And that's the thing is it does. You know, if you want somebody to calm down their relationship with alcohol, then come and you do the challenge because it will have an impact on those around you. Fantastic. Um, if I can, I'd like to go deep for a few minutes on spirituality. Okay. Um, <laughs> oh, I can go deep there. Uh, this is something that on a podcast like this is talked about all too little. And um, so I want to just delve into deeper about the impact of the conversations you had with the Dalai Lama. Mm-hmm. 
and how that helped to refuel your sort of certainty that you were on the right path? Okay. Um, the recurring nightmares that I had when I was young that led to six-year-old and all of these things was um, it was a very electrical thing with a sharp cylindrical object that seemed to be endless in length um, and sort of metallic. And I'd wake up with a metallic taste and, you know, shouting. I'd feel fear and all this stuff. And I didn't know what this this object represented. Um, and through, you know, years and years and, and into my 20s, I would still get it occasionally and wake up with that uh, metallic taste. Um, when I went up to start meditating, I meditated and I was just doing 10 minutes on the tube, uh, on, on the train each day there and back. Um, and then I started to build that and I got it up to 45 minutes sitting unguided. Now, my parents would tell you that that's impossible. But going through those unguided uh, meditations, I started to feel pain in my chest and the pain then led to weeping. And apparently this is quite normal when you start to deepen a meditation practice. Um, but there was clearly trauma inside. Now, uh, at home one day, I um, suddenly reflected on there being a major event when I was younger that I couldn't remember when I was six. And I, I re realized and I called up my mum halfway through uh, finishing a meditation. I was like, look, there's something happened. Something, something happened in this room. I don't know what it is. And um, we chatted for 45 minutes. Neither of us could really remember, which is partly hilarious. Um, I'll tell you why in a minute. But I had meningitis when I was six and I nearly died. And for oh. three days on the Isle of Mull, I'd been, uh, for one day, I'd been sort of thrashing about in the bed, speaking in tongues and all of this thing. Now, the interesting thing is, having Googled that afterwards, is that if you have a near-death experience, of which they were flying the helicopter over from Glasgow to pick me up. Really? Um, I told you this was going to get deep and crazy, yeah, so yeah. you asked. Um, um, they, they, they flew the helicopter over, uh, oh, they were going to, and um, I, luckily the temperature started to calm down and things like that. But a near-death experience, six years old or younger, can cause PTSD. And so PTSD-like symptoms are recurring nightmares and things like this. So um, meditation had led me back to understanding this thing that we'd all sort of forgotten and this was locked inside me. When I met the Dalai Lama, the same in the real, in, not in a dream, not in a nightmare, the same vision, the same feeling, I could feel it, the metallic taste. And, wow. and I was going up onto the stage. So Were you one-on-one -on -one with him then? But So it started off that we were um, in, a, in a big um, town area. And my friend was like, look, we'll, we'll, we'll try and get in. We don't have any access, but we'll try and get in. And so he, he, he'd he been coming around and coming around and coming around. We kind of got kicked out. And we got kicked out again. And then we got kicked out again, sort of three or four times. And eventually we found ourselves sitting right at the front row. And I'm sitting at the front row, and the Dalai Lama is being asked questions by children um, who are standing up on a stage inside the crowd. And um, he, he, he waves to stop one of the, one of the um, speakers talking. And he says, is there anybody, and waving his hand over exactly where I'm sitting, and says, is there anybody here who'd like to ask a question? And it was just the most bizarre thing. And I'm like, hand up straight away. And he's like, okay, move over, come over. So I come over to the stand. When I'm standing before the stand, the, one of the security, couple of the security guys who've already kicked me out for not being in there, I'm thinking, they're going to come over and tap yeah. me out. And next I'm asking, what, I don't know what question I'm going to ask. I'm just making up. All this metallic taste and this thing. So this vision, um, and so anyway, asked him a question in front of lots of people. 
Um, we then um, moved around to go and uh, stay, uh, go to the university where he was speaking with the Italian um, quantum physicists about how quantum physics is now showing so much of what Buddhist religion has been talking about, that actually none of this is real without consciousness, um, that all of this is a, 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 a part of our consciousness. And um, so it was really interesting to have the Dalai Lama talking alongside quantum physicists. And um, anyway, so we managed to get there and I shook his hand and, you know, spoke to him for a little while. And then we were waiting outside and like, you know, where are we going to stay tonight? Well, we should really fly back. Our flight is in, in, you know, 50 minutes. We can make it. Now, let's just check. Let's stay in our hotel. We stayed last night. It's full. Okay. Where's the Dalai Lama staying? No, there's no way. It's out of town. You won't get in there. But what's it called? Okay. Call up. Hi, have you got any rooms? No, we haven't got any rooms. Oh, okay. Well, hang on a second. Yeah. Uh, oh, there's a room just come available. Um, but it's for three people. We're three. <laughs> no way. I love this. Um, for three people. Yeah, we'll take it. Right. A thousand euros. No problem. Don't care. We're staying. You guys just got a room. That's ridiculous. Hey, the guy with the head photographer, that's how we were all there is that um, the photographer, the official photographer of the Dalai Lama is a friend of my friend who called me. And, and so he, he goes, um, I can't believe it, but the guys have just got us a room at the Dalai Lama's hotel. He tells to the whole event organizer and the event organizer goes, really? That's crazy because one of the, the, the main Lama, who's a guy who spent 13 years meditating in a cave, is walking out of the room. He's saying he's not feeling well, so he's decided to go home early. So he must have called almost at the same moment that we phoned. I mean, no. just crazy. So um, anyway, so we, we, we head over to the hotel. The following morning at breakfast, we're sitting down and, you know, go to sit and um, talk to the Dalai Lama. And he's asking me about this one year no beer thing. And um, he said how do we bring this to the poorest parts of, of the world? He said, how do we bring this to the poorest parts of India? Um, the Dalai Lama lives in India because he's exiled from, from Tibet. And, um, and, I, and I said, well, do they have smartphones? And he said, yes. And I said, well, you know, that's how we're, we're going to do that. But for me, because it's quite an emotional thing, all this stuff, for me, that was the piece that I was like, that's what drives me. So I don't I don't care about the money. You know, I earned a lot of money as an oil broker. Um, most of that's gone now. <laughs> Reinvested into the business. Um, yeah. and, um, uh, uh, but I, I earned a lot of money and I did that um, high lifestyle. Um, but I want to get to the place where we can <clears throat> impact the poorest parts of the world. And the thing is that, you know, we are not there. We will have to blow up and change and, and diversify and grow our model over the next decade, however it is. But we will get there. So, um it was it was it was an crazy crazy event. Um, he is a phenomenal, very very funny, very funny human being. Right. Have you ever watched his stuff uh, or seen? I've seen some clips, but I hadn't picked up on the. He's very funny. Yeah, he loves to loves to joke and laugh. Um, but there's you know, uh, that's the thing. I was brought up a Catholic. Um, I chose you know I chose to be agnostic of anything. I wasn't really religious. I still would say I'm not religious. Um, if you held my feet to the fire. I would say I'd probably closest to the Buddhist way of life, but I'm mm -hmm. not religious. Um, and, you know, you cannot be in that man's presence without feeling some incredible impact. Um, it's, it, it is a life-changing thing. So did I hear you say earlier on in this, in this conversation that you actually ended up having breakfast with him? Or? Yeah, yeah, so we were, well, we were, there was about 25 of us having, having breakfast. So I came over to have a chat with him while we were all having, I mean, it's like a buffet breakfast in the hotel. Yeah, yeah of course. So it was amazing. And and 
your takeaway from that experience, how all those wonderful things sort of uh, synchronicity took place. You manage to get in, you're on the front row, you get to speak to him, you get into the hotel, you then shake hands with him, you get to uh, speak to him at breakfast. Um, was that like a deeper sort of resolute knowing that you absolutely are on the right path? Complete knowing. Uh, complete knowing. Like, you know, the matrix, that, that the, this, the stuff shouldn't happen, the shifts. Um, the, the, the funny thing, and I think is this what, this is what guides us, um, is in One Year No Beer, there's a lot of it. There is a lot of serendipity. There is a lot of people going, oh my gosh, I just did this at the same time as you did that and blah, blah, blah. And I think that is the higher purpose of what we're trying to achieve here. And I think that is a connected society um, over a common purpose of living a good life. Uh, I think we're onto something really, really big. It's absolutely infinitesimal of what it is today. Um, and I'm looking forward to the journey of continuing to to grow that. But, you know, the this movement is is happening organically. I almost saw it like, and this is getting spiritual, um, that this is moving through me. When it's done with me, it'll be done and it'll go on. And that's what's really exciting. You know, I think there was a point probably 2018 where I knew that this is now moving more traction beyond me. You're right. I'm the absolute nuclear fire engine that, that drives this thing on a daily basis. A, the passion and B, the ADHD, the energy. You know, I've got 10 times the energy of most human beings, as is the nature. So I'm the one who's who's absolutely driving this now, but this thing has already got bigger than me and it will get much, much, much bigger than me. And that's 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 incredible. That's what's exciting. And one final sort of point I want to, to finish on. A lot of business owners say a secret to their success and scaling and growth of their business is absolute focus. Um, that inherently... Not one my of, thing. <laughs> one of the most challenging things for you. Yeah. Um, so just to kind how of slide do you do it, that? Uh, how do you say no is my specific question because you're getting bombarded all the time, you get new opportunities, potential diversionary paths that you could go down. Yeah. How how do you keep on a path that has traction that's going and say no to stuff? Here's 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 the easy answer. Um, you can't say no to me because no means I'll do it anyway. It always has done ever since I was a young kid. If my parents said no, I'd do it anyway. Um, and um, probably why I got into so much trouble. So no doesn't work. Focus doesn't work. So this is what I have to do. I have to have a board. So that's why we have a board. That's why we have a team. That's why I have an operations person. That's why we have other people who are making sure that the business is following a plan and executing on that plan. And for me, I need the team of people who are going to go and come shooting off into the field like a Jack Russell with me, creating the new project that may not go anywhere or may not do anything, but we've got to. So, so, from, a, so from a governance point of view, mm-hmm. do, have you sort of almost like verbally contracted them? If once we've all agreed and we've got a number of different parties to kind of on the board to ratify this strategy or this idea or this plan, yep. they're going to run with it. Even though me as Ruri, I know I'm going to want to distract them off on a whole new path they have the full remit to almost ignore me because I'm going to work this plan. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. So, um, and and we we solidify the plan with the board. The team know what they're doing. There is deviance off that. Of course, there always is. It's still a startup. This is not a big conglomerate or anything else like that. There are curveballs. There's, you know, sometimes a a news story or something like that that will change change the effect. We are still quite... Um, um, you know, reactive and changing. That's the impact that I have on the business. But we are getting there to be considerably more focused. And I think, you know, if you look at the whole journey, um, but in the first two years when it was just me running, we already had a no sugar group. We already had a no um, meat group. We had a no caffeine group. We had all these other groups. We had these other big parts of programs. So we 
closed all that down, got focused. So I do have the ability to focus. I do have that ability. But it's really important that I'm also given the ability to go and do these mini projects. And, and I think that's the thing is that working with, the, with myself, great, have focus, but also have the distraction and the, and the chaos. It's just like listening to that crazy drum and bass music whilst writing the, the, yeah. the copy. We are executing this plan, which is completely focused, and we're on this journey, and I totally get it. But I'm still going to build a dating app uh, between 11 and 12 at night because I have to. <laughs> oh, what a great place to end. So if anybody wants to that's find sober it. dating app, just, by, by, <laughs> okay, just okay. to clarify. Now that's a conversation for another podcast. <laughs> so if anybody wants to find out more about One Year No Beer, where do they go? Um, OneYearNoBeer.com and uh, or Facebook forward slash One Year No Beer. Loads of videos and testimonials and stuff like that up there. Instagram, uh, One Year No Beer. Um, Twitter, OYMBUK. And, um, you know, if you want to reach out to me, if anything has struck a chord with you or if we can help in any way, I'm Ruri, R-U-A-R-I at OneYearNoBeer.com and I'd love to help. Ruri, it's been a real privilege. Uh, I hope, I'm sure everybody that listens to this will have uh, enjoyed it as much as uh, I have uh, chatting here with Ruri. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success and create more impact.